The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey, Fight fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps, and I'm joined now with Tony Bellew. Tony, it's been so long since I've seen all of you guys. It's nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, it's been a while, and now we're in this crazy pandemic and learning to live with it. But, you know, boxing goes on. The show must go on, as they say. So I see you're rocking the, uh, is it called the, is it Movember? It's called Movember, and this is called an absolutely horrendous mustache. <laughs> uh, I am growing it. Uh, for suicide prevention to help raise awareness of that also to help raise awareness for testicular cancer prostate cancer and all around people's mental health how does that work exactly like do you have to sign up to something and then up for something so the the movember page is on my social media platforms uh, you can go there and donate for everybody who laughs you should just donate and it is making everyone laugh at me all of the time so this is great do you know what it's a it's very reminiscent of like the 80s like you look like one of the 80s drugs lords that's what i've been called i've been called (laughs) a panamanian cartel leader uh, a colombian cartel leader so yeah it's a very embarrassing but you know it is what it is it's it's for a good cause Cause, exactly. So, um, you know what? I want to catch up with you about something. I spoke with Alexander Usyk after his fight, and he told me that he felt, in his personal opinion, that you and David Hay had a plan to sort of conspire against him, like the like to get the judges to sort of um, sway the judges, right, with your your yelling and. That's crazy. That's just we were. Support. I'm supporting my friend. I've known Derek Chisora for nearly, you know, the best part of 15 years. A close friend of mine. The guy was at my wedding. You know, he's he's a he's a close family friend. He's like a brother to me. So I'm just supporting him the best way I know how. And all his dad is doing basically is shouting and swearing my head off when I shouldn't be. But it is what it is. I've been called all kinds for it, and I've been told off for it by the employers. But I'm not going to change who I am. I don't regret it, you know, and, and I'll stand on for Derek Chisora no matter what. Loyalty should be rewarded with, you know, what loyalty. So I'm as loyal as they come. I never once said I thought Derek Chisora won. I just said I wanted to see transparency in the scoring and the judges' scorecards because one can't be right up here and the other one's in the middle somewhere. I just think they should all be seeing the similar things. So that was a big part of, of, of what I didn't like in the fight. But, and I thought, you know, he did win quite a few rounds, Derek Chisora. I thought he gave a better account of himself than anyone predicted. I thought he pushed Alexander Usyk all the way. But, you know, Alexander Usyk was amazing on the night. He showed that, you know, he can deal with the heavyweight's power, strength and power. He can deal with the weight disadvantage going against him. And, you know, he showed his formidable force that I already knew he was because, you know, listen, at the end of the day, he beat me up and he done a job on me. So he's a brilliant fighter. I've got nothing but love and respect and admiration for Alexander Usyk. He knows that deep down. Uh, 
he actually talked about wanting to have a game of golf with me once he comes over here next time. So I say a really good fighter who I would be supporting if he wasn't fighting my friend. 100% I'd be there cheering for him. So if Alexander Usyk was going up against, let's just say, Alexander Pavekin, I would be there shouting like that for Alexander Usyk. He probably wouldn't understand the single word I was saying, but I would be cheering him on. <laughs> so that's just the way it goes. Well, Alexander Usyk seems to be in a pretty good position right now, uh, now that he has defeated Derek Chisora. He stands next in line should Anthony Joshua be successful against Pulev. However, we know that Eddie Hearn wants to make the fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury next. He does not want to wait any longer. I don't think any of us want to continue to wait. We already saw what happens First time around when it came to Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, I don't know if we'll ever see that fight, and that's a big disappointment for the fight fans. So here we are. Um, based on what you saw with Alexander Usyk, does he stand a chance against the likes of Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury? Of course he stands a chance. His boxing ability determines that he stands a chance against anybody. He could outbox anybody, and my thoughts and opinions will be that he will be beating anybody and everybody until they get to on top of him and until they actually get to him and size then becomes and plays a factor in the fight. So I think he's a brilliant fighter, but ultimately size will be what defeats him, which is very sad because I don't believe that should be happening in boxing. If size is only what defeats you and not how good someone is, then you're in basically just in the wrong weight division. Weight classes exist for a reason. So as I say, I do think he's an amazing fighter and I do think he will be ahead when these guys catch up with him. But I just think Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua may be a step too far. Can you please explain to me the whole WBC weight change limit that they have? Because I'm really confused by that. So we got talking about it, and uh, I've always believed that the weight, David, the weight jump, the weight gap jump from 175 pound light heavyweight to cruiserweight to 200 pounds is ridiculous. It's dangerous, and I touched upon this with them. It was brought to my attention by uh, the brilliant president of WC, Maurizio Suleiman. And Maurizio calls me up and he says, Tony, would you, would you, you know you know the division, you've been champion, you are Emirates' champion, what do you think? And his straight-faced announcement was the thought of going, let's make a bridge weight division, and it goes from 200 to 220. And I said, Maurizio, I, I, I value your opinion and I understand what you're saying, but the gap is just too much from 175 to 200. You have to understand, and I've seen this first-hand with fighters, a fighter who's really struggling to make light heavyweight and he just can't do 175 anymore. But he, he walks around, let's just say 190. When he trains really hard, he comes down to 180. Now, this guy might come down to 180 and weigh in, let's say, 180, 185. The guy who comes down, you know, gets right down and boils down to the cruiserweight limit of 200, he can weigh in on the Friday and then be rehydrated back to 210, 215 against the guy who's going to get in the ring at 185. We're talking now, you know, 30, 20, 30 pound weight advantage. That's, that's dangerous. And this is why this division has needed to come in for a while, in my opinion. I don't see the point in, in having the cruise, like, as I said before, the, the, the jump from 175 to 200 is too much. So why the cruiserweight division, as it used to be at 190, was perfect for me. I think it was 186 to be exact on the money. But for me, it was the perfect weight division. It, it, it allowed you to come up from light heavyweight and and your size and, and wouldn't be a big demeaning factor in it because guys aren't going to be over 190 to £200 on fight night. So that allows a fair playing field. Guys are of a similar size and a similar shape. 
The minute it goes to the 200 pound guys, you then start getting big cruiserweights and little cruiserweights. This is the problem we're having in the heavyweight division now. There's heavyweights, then there's heavyweights. Yeah, so you, you can never, what you can't do is, you can't really change the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division is the heavyweight division. What would be ridiculous is if we said, well, you know, there's the super heavyweight division. You can't do that. So you, I, I always said to the WBC, you can't touch the original weight classes. You can't do it. Cruiserweight should never have been moved to 200, in my opinion. It was, it was purely done to accommodate the heavier side cruiserweights, the small heavyweights. That's why it was done originally, to make it a bit safer for them smaller heavyweights. But all it's then done is make it dangerous for the light heavyweights jumping up. I know because I've been there and experienced it and I've done it. Fortunately for me, I had the height and the build to carry it off, but it took me a year and a half to build into that division fully. Now what we're looking at doing is, and it's being implemented and put down by the WBC today, is we go with the weight class. We don't change any of the original solid old weight classes, the original nine divisions. But what we look at now is is making each weight division safer. So at 175, we have light heavyweight division. Then we go to 190 for the cruiserweight division. The biggest jump in boxing without these divisions we're talking about was eight pounds. That was from the middleweight division to the super middleweight division. That's the biggest jump. Now the biggest jump at the moment is the one we're talking about is from 175 to 190. It's a 15 pound weight jump. It's, it's still big, but for the fighters who are really struggling for light heavyweight, they can be, that 15 pound can be gained overnight. So when I used to make 175, I never got in the ring lighter than 190. Never, ever once. So when I was making 175, I would be close to 200. I could gain 25 pounds overnight. You know, according, if, I, if, I, if, I'd, have, if I'd have dried out correctly the night before, I, I could easily gain that back. Uh, so now with this going at 190, from 175 to 190, we're not going to really see mismatches. So... We're not going to see the likes of Isaac Chalamberlin against Lawrence Ocoli, where it looks like a light heavyweight versus a cruiserweight. That's what I think you're going to get much more even fights, fights that will be ultimately, I think, in the cruiserweight division now from 175 to 190, more exciting, more engaging for the fans to, to watch, and, and it's not going to look like mismatches, huge guys against smaller guys. Then you'll have this bridgeweight division, which essentially is a small heavyweight that's what you are that's what's going to be in this division guys of 200 190 to 220 and people will say to me well there's a 30 gap weight jump there yes there is but what you're forgetting is now no one's really going to weigh in at 190 or 195 in this division it's going to be everyone is going to be 210 plus every single fighter will be 210 plus who weighs in on that, on that bridge weight division and it will be so the ideal matchup in my opinion what would have been the first real great step to do would have been Deontay Wilder Alexander Usyk the two of them just fit into that category perfect and you know and both of them are without a fight. What way to announce a division other than them two coming together? I just think that would have been a perfect fight. And that weight category and that, there is so many in and around their sizes. You have the likes of Morik Gassiev. You know, you have the likes of the Marius Bredises. So guys who are, they can't get to the 190, but they can, they, they be, they're happy to, to be in and around 210, 215, 220 some of them. You know, Alexander Usyk weighed in 217 against Derek Chisora. It, it tells you all you need to know about where the division's going. So the main thing this division is created, is being created is about is safety. Safety should be paramount in boxing. It, it, you know, it's, it's more important than wealth, health over wealth every single time. But how do you get that across the board? Because it's, it's going to work on one end, but it's going to 
not work on another end because unless all the sanctioning bodies are doing the same thing, doesn't that kind of make it more difficult on the body of the fighter who may be ranked with the WBC and the WBA or so forth, and then they're kind of jumping around in weight? Well, the only one who it's going to affect really straight away and straight up is WBC Cruiserweight Champion Lunga Makabu, who right now is the w, reigning WBC Champion. He can choose to go, I'll go to Bridgeweight or I'll stick at Cruiserweight. Uh, he is the only one who it essentially affects directly right now. For the other guys, I believe the other sanctioning bodies will take note and will take thingy off and they will follow suit because they will see it, it's the safety is the biggest thing for boxers. You cannot have a category of 175 to 200. You can't have a 25-pound weight difference between two fighters. You can in the heavyweight division, yes, because that's the heavyweight division. You know what you're signing up to. But you can't have a, a, you know, a, a small, light heavyweight face a monster it's just it, it's not safe Michelle so I just uh, I don't think it should be happening I think other other organisations and bodies should follow suit I think the WBC have been very brave in what they're doing they've gone out there and put themselves out there and been the first to do it but someone had to do it this, this topic has been discussed for many years and as I said before I know because I've experienced it myself it, it, I don't know why the Cruiserweight division was ever bumped up it should never have been done. You know, 15 pounds is a big enough weight gap to jump. You don't need anything after that. This, as I said before, this was done. The new weight gap was brought in once the division started getting bigger. And this is how it happened. Instead of just bringing this weight division in years ago and saying we're going to put a bridge of weight division in or, or you know, a super cruiser or a, or a junior heavyweight, whichever one you want to call it, that division should have been brought in then because as soon as the likes of Vitaly Klitschko starts appearing, Lennox's side starts showing this is when it, the writing's on the wall. We need a gap here for these guys to fill because boxing is now becoming unsafe and that's what we don't want. You know, a perfect division for the likes of a prime Mike Tyson, a prime Evander Holyfield. You know, so many fighters that this could have benefited who, as I've said before, a fighter should never lose because of size. A fighter should not, I just don't, I don't think it's fair. A fighter should lose because he's not because one fight is better than the other. Size and weight should never take place because when size and weight come into the factors of a fight, it then becomes unsafe. That's why weight divisions exist in boxing. Well, I hope to see some sort of unity amongst the sanctioning bodies. There has to be, as I say, because I've made so many examples now, uh, as previously I was saying. Guys weighing in at you know 190 because they just can't get to 200. A guy weighs in bang on the money at 200, and the next day he's 215. Right. In what way is that safe? Yeah. Or a guy weighs in at 185 and he's facing a cruiserweight because he just can't make 175, and then the guy gets in is 215. It's 30 pound weight difference. In what world is that safe? But that happens in professional boxing. That happens in that cruiserweight division, and it has to stop now before someone you know gets hurt. Well done to the WBC on doing it. Well, I hope, to, like I said, I hope to see that, that it can actually work, but it's going to have to work if everyone comes it's together. Really yeah. It's going to have to come together, but as I say, it takes a brave one first to come out and do it, and yeah. I think the WBC have been very brave. I commend them on what they've done uh, by following through with this, because at first they were very happy to just announce the Bridgeweight division to, to 200 to 220, but as still in my opinion you're not giving thought to the dangers of what can happen between 175 and 200 now they have took that on board and it's a very big thing they should have done because it's one thing announcing one weight class but it's another thing adjusting another one at the same time that's a big risk to do and I understand it but 
the reasons that the, the reasons behind why they're doing it is what makes the most sense and that is the safety of the fighters and that will always be paramount. Um, lastly, I want to wrap this up because I know you just had like a two-hour interview and I, God bless you for doing one straight after with me. Um, and they're going to start serving food right now. So uh, I'm just curious as to your thoughts on uh, Deontay Wilder's accusations that he made against Mark Breland as well as Tyson. Very sad. I've come across Mark Breland over the years when I used to go to Gleason's and stuff like that. What a man. Lovely, lovely man. And very, very sad to think that you're calling this man... Uh, what are the other words he used? Disloyal and, and a traitor and things like that. Very, very sad. Mark Breland is an honourable man who understands the fight game, has been there before. When you see fighter blood coming out of a fighter's ear, your first thing is worry. Straight away, it shows the man's got a heart. It shows he's got compassion towards the fighter. He doesn't care about the crowd in there. He doesn't care about anything else. He's worried about the fighter, and that shows an immense amount of... You know, as I say, courage just alone to stand up for the fighter. I think it's very sad the way he's been treated. On to what Deontay's actually said, it's just a bit crazy. I think this is what happens when you have too many yes-men around you for too long. And in the end, you've been listening to them, listening to them, and you've just thought, you know what, these are telling the truth. And, and listen, mate, they're not. These yes-men, these leeches are around you because they're telling you, just, just sit down, watch the fight back. You know deep down why you lost. You just lost to the best man. We all get beat up at some stage. It's just it's boxing. It happens. There's there's only one Floyd Mayweather. He's very few and far between. So it's just it's one of them things. Take it on the chin, mate. Come back, and you can come back. I think you're a very talented man with an awful lot of power in your hands. Uh, just take the loss and just regroup. Go again. Learn. Let them be lessons. A loss doesn't always have to be career defined. It could sometimes be a lesson. That's what he needs to do. I just think. Uh, listening to too many yes men and people telling them that, you know, his gloves were tampered with and this and that, it's insane. You and I both know, Deontay, that from the moment them gloves are put on your hands, the officers don't leave your side. I know because I've experienced it for many, many years. I've been in big WBC title fights, I've been in other title fights, I've been in European once the gloves are on your hands and the, once the gloves are signed off, no one touches the gloves, no one tampers with the gloves, nothing can be done to them gloves. What he's saying does not make sense. You cannot put a glove on your hand and, you, and punch through the wrist. It's just insane. But if you listen to these people over and over again, these yes men, they end up getting in your mind and kind of turning you thinking, they must be right. I, this is something I don't know personally, but when you see the photograph of the dent in his head, yeah. right? Um, they're saying it's impossible to have done that just from hitting it unless something was in it. That's their argument. That's always the argument. Anytime someone but tries to dispute one, it... It's on one picture, isn't it? There's yeah. not actual... No one's actually conscious that there's the dent in the head. It's on a picture, and a picture, a picture can be manipulated in many different ways. If I take a, a flash on this camera now, I'll look like I've got a dent in my head because the light shine the same way. After the fight, there was not a clear dent in his head. He's done an interview after the fight. I didn't see a dent in his head in the interview. Or it's, so things are being manipulated. And I've seen the video we put out, and it, someone's gone to a lot of time and effort to make that video with, with, with Bible things in it and stuff like that. You know, it's just, it's just excuses on the paper and over the real cracks that you're showing now. And it's, it's your mental, you know, you're, you're mentally fragile. He said that Mark Breland put a muscle relaxer in his water. When you do a when you do a drug test after the fight, one hundred percent, because everything would show in your body. 
So you're not getting out of it in no way, shape or form. And also, let's just say, okay, he sweated it or pissed it out. Well, it's 100% going to be in his blood. Do blood work as well. We do blood, bloods and urine in WBC yeah. title fights. I used to do bloods and urine when it wasn't a WBC title fight as well. I demanded them. Uh, you're not getting away from it. There's no possible way Tyson Fury could have cheated. It's impossible. As I say, the only way you, you can find out is when you've, you know, the actual, the highest level drug cheats are involved in it because the drug cheats allegedly are supposed to be two years ahead of the testers. A tester once told me that. But when it comes to tampering with gloves, impossible. Impossible. The days, them days are long, long gone. The last time we've seen anyone even try that, he was caught. And I seen Richardson catching the disgraced Antonio Margarito's right. cut man. Uh, and the guy who took out the pad and out the gloves so many years ago, which I don't even like to talk about, that disgrace was never seen in boxing again. So, you know, it's, it, it can't happen. It cannot happen. It's impossible. I know Tyson Fury said he has no plan on ever fighting him again after those accusations, but uh, there's a lawsuit ongoing at the moment. He will abide by a contract, and if the money makes, if it makes sense, if it makes money, it makes sense. So I think it will happen one more time. I don't know when it will happen, but I do think it will happen. Talk about bad blood on that one. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time as always. You didn't have to do this. Go ahead and eat. Enjoy your time here. Thank you so much. Bye, fight fans. Sports Social Podcast Network.